0: We're gonna look this morning at um, what it's like to be in the dark of the cave and how how we get out of that. So, um, first of all, I want to say that I'm indebted to John Ortberg uh, for some of his insights into all the stories in the Bible about people being in caves. I didn't realize how many of them there were, and so I want to share some of that with you um, this morning. Now, the main story, uh, the main text we're going to use is Psalm 142. But uh, the main story comes from 1 Samuel, uh, chapters 22 through 24. Uh, That provides the context for Psalm 142. So uh, if you want to read that later, that's where you'll find the story. And uh, it's a really, I think, fascinating story. But uh, the story uh, picks up with with David. Uh, He's a young man, and he's already had a lot of success. Uh, David has already killed Goliath. He's already proven himself to be a brave soldier and a war hero. And he was already very popular with the people of Israel. And so, um, you know, even though Saul was the king of Israel, David was the one that the people looked up to that was kind of the national hero. Uh, The the people loved David more than Saul. And everybody knew that, even though Saul was king. Uh, Everybody knew that, including Saul. There's this verse from 1 Samuel, um, I should look at it. It says, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now, Saul and David were sitting together, riding in a parade after a victory over a great battle, and they started singing this. (laughs) That would be awkward. Um, And uh, you know, some Bible scholars believe that we actually even know the tune to this song that they sang. It, it went like this, Saul is slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. <laughs> na, 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 na. And if that wasn't the tune, that's what it sounded like to Saul. Um, look at this next verse. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They've created David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more could he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And Saul tried to keep more than an eye on David. He tried to put a spear on David or uh, more accurately through David a couple of times. And David ended up having to run for his life. So David left, he lost his job. He lost his wife because he happened to be married to Saul's daughter. And so when he left, Saul ended up having her marry somebody else. So David fled the country. Saul's army was chasing him. So David's a fugitive and if he slows down, he's dead. So David is in kind of a tough spot. His career's over, his marriage is over. Uh, Even his best friend, Jonathan, couldn't get in touch with him. He lost everything. And and so um, look at this next verse in 1 Samuel. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So David had everything. He had wealth. He had power. He had fame. He had family. He had friends. And he lost all of it. He found himself running for his life and hiding in a cave. And so while he's hiding there, uh, some, some people gather around him. He becomes the leader of this rebel band. Uh, listen to how uh, the Bible describes him in this verse. It says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Wow. When you love it, after you've just lost everything you've worked your entire life for, you now find yourself surrounded by 400 angry men with emotional and financial issues. (laughs) Uh, So David's living in a cave with a whole bunch of new friends in low places. You can only imagine how David must've felt. You imagine his disappointment the disappointment in how his life was turning out, the disappointment in what he was going through, the sense of loss, he must've felt like a failure. And that's what it feels like when you're in the cave. Now David lived in a cave literally, but all of us find ourselves in that cave figuratively sometimes. When we find ourselves at that place in life where we're just disappointed, with how things are turning out. We've lost things that are important to us. We end up in a cave. And the hardest thing about being in the cave is we wonder where in the world is God? Where is God while we're in the cave? Why has he left us there? What are we gonna do in this cave and how are we gonna get out of it? You you may be aware that uh, David wrote many of the Psalms that are, that are in the book of Psalms. And he wrote Psalm 142. And uh, this is fascinating to me, but in the Bible, under where it says Psalm 142, it says, a mascal of David when he was in the cave. <laughs> so, so David wrote Psalm 142 while he was in the cave. So the story I just told you earlier is the the background, the context for this Psalm. David is in that cave, lost everything, running for his life, and he writes this Psalm, Psalm 142. So what does David say about this situation? The first couple of verses of the Psalm. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. So the first thing David did, and I think is a good thing for us to do when we find ourselves in a cave, is he talks to God about his disappointment. He complained to God. Now I know that doesn't sound very spiritual to complain, but it can be. Um, David, first thing David did was Let's complain. Are you able to complain? Is that something you can do? For some people, it's their spiritual gift. i <laughs> But when we're disappointed, the best thing we can do is tell God we're disappointed and talk about what's going on in our life and why we're disappointed. We can tell all these things. We can complain to God, um, not everybody else that you come in contact with, um, somebody told me once that it does no good to complain to other people because half of them don't care and the other half think you deserve it. But you can complain to God. You can tell God what's going on. You can tell God why you're disappointed. You can tell God what's going on inside. Now, the thing is God already knows. But it does us good to speak to God about what we're disappointed in about what in our life is frustrated and what in our life is hard. And see, the great thing is God God listens. And you may not know this, but God does some of his very best work in caves. Now, you know, Bible scholars divide the Psalms up into all kinds of different categories. There are Psalms of praise and thanksgiving. There are Psalms of enthronement, which are royal Psalms. There are wisdom Psalms. But the largest category of Psalms in the Bible uh, is what we call lament Psalms. They're Psalms where people are complaining. I like to call them blues Psalms. They're just Psalms where people are honest with God and tell God they're disappointed in their life. They're disappointed with what's happening, with where they are. And, And you know why I believe that God's okay with us complaining is because God knows that, that we need to verbalize what our disappointments are. We need to face them. Because we have this tendency to just pretend everything is fine. And we don't want to face our disappointments. We just pretend everything's okay and move on. But, but the truth is, you can't really move past your disappointments until you stare them down. And so we can talk to God about them. We can tell God the disappointments in our lives and God doesn't mind. As a matter of fact, once we face it and we admit it, then we realize that God is with us. God does some of his very best work in caves. Now there was another man in the Bible who found himself in a cave and his name is Elijah. Uh, His story is found in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. And he too had been extremely successful. Uh, He was a prophet, one of the most famous prophets, you know, in Israel. Uh, There was a time when he prayed that it would not rain, that it would stop raining and it didn't rain again for three years. And then he prayed again that it would rain and immediately the sky grew dark and the rain came pouring down. There's a story about how he challenged all the prophets of, um, of Baal up on Mount Carmel And God sent fire down from heaven to consume Elijah's sacrifice. So, I mean, Elijah had seen some pretty amazing things, and he had done some pretty amazing things. But after all these successes, the queen, Jezebel, who was no fan of the God of Israel, threatened to kill him. And so he ran. And he too found himself in a cave. And he too was discouraged. He was disappointed with his life. He was so disappointed and so discouraged that he prayed that God would just take his life. He was at the end of his rope. So God sent an angel to um, bake Elijah some food and tell him to get some sleep. I love what John Ortberg says about this. All in all, God treated Elijah the way you do a cranky toddler. (laughs) Have a snack, take a nap, and we'll talk when you're better composed. So Elijah went and sat in a cave. And that's when God spoke to him. And after a great wind and a great fire and a great earthquake came the sound of silence. Like Simon and Garfunkel sang about. And in that silence, Elijah recognized that God was with him. I love this verse from 1 Kings. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now I want you to notice the importance of that question. God did not say, what are you doing there, Elijah? God said, what are you doing here? Because God was there with him in the cave what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah realized God was with him. And in his cave, David, in that psalm, you know, in one of the next verses down, David says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. And so both Elijah and David realized that God was with them in the cave. And that's the second thing I want to mention is, you know, the first thing when you find yourself in a cave is we complain, tell God about our disappointment. And the second thing is know that God is with you in the cave. God does not abandon us. So the temptation when you're in the cave is to think that you're there all alone, that God has forgotten about you. But that's not true. No matter what kind of cave you find yourself in, One thing is for certain. God loves you and God will not leave you. God is in this mess with us. God is always with us. And when Elijah realized that God was with him, it gave him strength to leave the cave. When David realized God was with him, it gave him strength to leave the cave. Sometimes we just sit in the cave and complain. But when we realize that God is in the cave with us, then we're ready to take the next step. God does some of his best work in caves. And so David writes, set me free from my prison that I may praise your name and then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So David said, we complain to God, tell God about our disappointment, we realize God is with us in the cave. And then the third thing is we take action to get out of the cave. Take some practical, measurable step to get out of the cave. Because the longer you sit in the cave and complain, the easier it is to get comfortable there. And you may have to try more than once to get out of the cave, but don't, don't give up. Do something that, that's a step toward getting out of the cave. Sometimes it takes persistence. You know, you've probably heard the story before about Dr. Seuss, the first book he ever wrote, uh, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, was rejected by 23 publishers. <laughs> but he just kept going. He just kept trying. And some, there's, there's some things you need to do to get out of the cave. And maybe, maybe there's some things you need to do. Maybe you're in one now. And maybe you need to make a phone call and try to mend that relationship. Maybe you need to go ahead and just update that resume and start looking for the kind of job you've really always wanted. Or maybe it's time to to go and get the education or the training that you need to make your life better. You never get out of the cave unless you're willing to try something. You never win the race unless you run. You never get out of the cave unless you take action. And most of the time you have to try more than once. So don't give up. And remember the time in the cave is not wasted. Because in the cave, God taught David some things that would make him a better king one day. And in the cave, God taught Elijah some things that made him a better prophet. When you're in a cave, you can learn a lot about God and you can learn a lot about yourself. You can learn a lot about who you can be because God does some of his best work in caves. Now, every one of us logs some time in the cave and you may be there now. Could be a lost job. Maybe your marriage is hitting some rough spots. Maybe it's disappointment with a child or with a parent, or with a friend. Maybe it's finances, or maybe it's health that's put you in the cave. Or maybe you're not in a cave. These are still good things to remember when you find yourself in one. Then when we're in the cave, first of all, go ahead and complain to God. (laughs) Tell God your disappointment. And then remember that God is with you in the cave. He's not left you alone. And then take action to get out of the cave and never forget God does some of his very best work in caves. There's one more story about a man in a cave. Uh, He's not David, This, this guy called himself the son of David and his name is Jesus. And he lost his position he lost his status as a teacher and as a leader. He lost most of his friends. And they didn't just threaten to kill him, they did kill him. They nailed him to a cross and he suffered. And he died. And they ridiculed him. And on that day, when he died, everything he taught and everything he promised died with him. All the hope he brought died all the future for this kingdom of God that he talked about, it died. It all died. He lost everything. And then his enemies made a really terrible mistake. They allowed a few of Jesus' friends who were left to take his dead body down off of that cross. And you know what they did with it? They put it in a cave because they remembered. Cave is where God brings dead things to life. Caves are where God resurrects life and brings hope. And you may be in a cave right now. So don't be afraid. You'll get through it. And you'll emerge in the sunlight again. But remember while you're there, let God use this time to help you become a better spouse, a better friend, a better child, a better parent, a better human being. Remember David, and remember Elijah, and remember Jesus, and don't ever forget, God does some of his best work in caves.